0: Greetings, everyone. It is I, your debt-free degree expert, Dr. Treasure Shields Redmond, here to welcome you to the How to Find Scholarships podcast. If you're a busy parent of a college-bound teen and you want to secure top-tier education without massive debt, keep listening. All right, so... You are a group of parents who have decided not to shackle your child to decades of debt. And I'm about to tell you what your transcript has to do with scholarships, what the kiddo's transcripts, I'm telling you at least one HBCU on the list, yes. What your transcript has to do with scholarships. So first off, what is a transcript? Some parents may be saying, What is a transcript? The transcript is a record of your child's classes they have taken at the school. When scholarships require a transcript and when schools, colleges through their applications require a transcript, they are looking for documents that can look like the ones I'm showing on the screen now. I am showing you some examples of what your transcript could look like. And those of you who have gone to college, the parents here that have gone to college will recognize it not only from their college transcripts, but also from their, uh, their own high school transcript. It's a document with a seal, the name of the school, and the list of courses. Now, That document can also include the child's graduation date and year, their GPA. At some schools, the transcript also lists their ACT or SAT scores or PSAT scores or any other sort of test. For instance, if you have a state test in your particular state, that could be on the transcript. And in some schools, they put the class rank down, right? The class rank on the transcript. And if you're wondering what on earth is class rank? Well, you may be familiar with the term valedictorian, right? The valedictorian is the person who made the highest GPA by the time they got to senior year, they looked through all of the grades and this person had a 4.012. And the next person next to them had a 3.9. So that person with a 4.012 became the valedictorian, but the 3.9 person became the salutatorian and then under that was the third person and the fourth person with the highest GPA so class rank is the number uh according to GPA that your child is and if your child is in a big school like a graduating class of 500 kids and they're number seven that is impressive If they are in a school of only 20 kids and they're number seven, that is not that impressive. So that's what, that's the kind of information that class rank translates. So one of the ways to get scholarships is for you to help your college bound team get the best grades they can. Now, if you don't have a shining, perfect, excellent GPA, that doesn't mean, number one, that you can't get into college. And it also doesn't mean, number two, that you can't get scholarships. There are scholarships that don't even mention GPA or have a very common GPA requirement, for instance, a 2.5 in the U.S. in general is just a strong C average. And there are scholarships that either don't mention a GPA or ask for a GPA that some people would consider low. It's not a B or an A. Now, you want to help your kiddo think of their high school career as like a dollar, right? You have ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. On the screen, I have a picture of a man holding up four fingers. Every year is 25 cents. And they want to get as close to all the, the pennies each year as they can, so that by the end of their high school career, they wind up with as close to 100 of the pennies a hundred of the cents, a hundred percent as they can, right? So you need to remind them when they have an off semester, for instance, they get a C in chemistry, chemistry challenge them. You you need to remind them that if science is their area of challenge, then we're, we might need to get some tutoring in science because you've gotten a C in 10th grade, but in ninth grade, in your life sciences class, you got an A. So that means that you need to get B's or A's from now on. Just focus on that on that uh, discipline, on that course. Um, my advice is not to be punitive, not to be standing over kids like a bear, but to be reminding them of the things that they have said. They have said, I want to be a physician. They have said, I'm interested in sports medicine. They have said, I want to go to UT Martin. I want to go to uh, San Jose State. I, I want to go to U- University of Michigan or wherever it is they said they want to go. So you just remind them of the goals that they have expressed and how their grades need to be uh at a certain level in order to reach those goals. So your GPA is mostly going to affect grade point average, which is what GPA stands for, is mostly going to affect whether or not you get institutional funds, what usually people call college scholarships. Because as you know, or you may not know, There are scholarships given out by colleges and there are scholarships that are given out by institutions that are not colleges. For instance, Beyonce has a nonprofit. It's called the Be Good Foundation. They've given out almost half a million dollars in scholarships so far. That is not a college or a community college organization. Coca-Cola gives out a big scholarship every year. Uh, so does uh, a footlocker and so forth, but the, having a good GPA and the other techniques and strategies I'm about to share with you are mostly going to help you with college scholarships. Um, Alma, I definitely want to talk with you and I'm so glad that you've come so that I can help you with your son. Alma. I'm going to put my email address in the chat in just a couple of slides, but if you can remember it, it's my whole name. And my name is Treasure Shields Redmond, and my email address is treasure.shieldsredmond at gmail.com. You can also go to my website and just tap contact me. You can even schedule a free call there at howtofindscholarships.info, and those words will be on every slide. So, institutional funds, those are the scholarships given out by colleges. Oftentimes, they are merit-based scholarships. Merit-based means that you had to have a certain GPA and a certain test score in order to get them. Oftentimes, the scholarships at the colleges are given through funds raised by corporate and alumni groups. For instance, all of us, if we all went to the same college and we felt positively about it, uh, we might have a fundraiser for people who went to the college we all went to. And then we send the funds to the school and they give it out to students. And some of the scholarships are departmental, meaning they're for certain majors, right? A college has built a new engineering wing on a building and now they wanna fill it with some fired up engineering majors. So they may earmark some funds in order to attract the engineering majors. Now, as a point of example, I have taken a screenshot from a big state school that's in the area where I live. I live in Southern Illinois. It's a really interesting part of the country. I'm right on the Mississippi River. So I can cross the river, literally walk across it on the East Bridge and be in St. Louis, Missouri. So I can go to another state every day if I want to. Simply by going over to St. Louis, I can see the St. Louis arch once I get closer to the river. So this big college is called Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. And I want to talk about how in that middle section, it says through the SIUE scholarship management system, all students can browse and apply for more than 450 scholarships available in the various schools, departments, and units at SIUE. So these scholarships will all have a GPA, grade point average, attached to them. And I just realized that I had an example of a certain scholarship, but I don't want to stop sharing my screen because I'm afraid that I, I, I I I may just have I may just have to go over here and do it. um let me see if I still have this tab up that I wanted to share with y'all. I do not, so i'm going i'm gonna keep sharing I'm gonna go back to sharing my screen so um, as I was saying, there is a scholarship at s i u e where if you apply around November 1st to their college and fill out a supplemental form, there's a scholarship that pays for tuition, room, board, and fees. So that's four things, tuition, room, board, and fees. The only thing missing that the scholarship doesn't pay for is books. And you have to have a 32 in order to get that scholarship that is a b average not even a, a you know 4.0 a b average so please let your teens know that um they don't have to have perfect grades but having good grades helps so siue is not a selective school It is not a competitive school. It is what most colleges in the U.S. are. Most colleges in the U.S. are good old institutions that accept most people who apply. They are not highly selective. They are not selective. And they wouldn't be considered competitive. Now, with your transcript, the GPA is going to matter to most colleges. Most colleges have a GPA ceiling that will stop you from getting in. Now, it's usually pretty low, (laughs) but there is a ceiling, right? So it might be a 2.0 or something like that, close to a D average, where even the schools that are not highly selective, selective, or competitive say, hey, wait a minute. Some of those schools have a developmental track. That means that you didn't get in regularly, but we have a summer program before the, the year starts where we can help you Um, get your English and math skills up, and then we'll give you our own entrance exam. There are schools where that is an option. But let's talk about what those selective schools mean. These are the ones that get all the press. The, the, The slide says a selective college is simply a college that does not admit everyone. Right, so some examples are Harvard, Columbia, Yale, MIT, Princeton, Stanford, Stanford U Chicago. Those are just some examples, right? Sometimes we hear some of those schools called Ivy Leagues. And most of the colleges, like I said, admit most of their applicants. But the headlines, the sexy stories, the Good Morning America, the CBS Good Morning, the feel-good story of the day is usually about a number of, a small number of highly selective colleges, right? so. There's a picture on the screen of a, of a young man, handsome African-American, teen. He says, I simply thought I would try. And the headline is, teen admitted to every Ivy League school, right? Now, the Ivy League schools don't just look at your GPA. The Ivy League schools also look at the classes you took. And let me just put a pin in it right there and say In order to get a college scholarship, the type that are given out by colleges, you have to be (laughs) accepted into the school. So, the reason I'm talking about getting accepted, getting in, is because that is the only way to be offered these awesome scholarships that will cover all of the expenses of school so this slide asks what are ivy league schools looking for in your transcript because remember i said most colleges are just looking at gpa they aren't really delving that hard into the types of courses you took if you got a gpa uh, if you if you receive a diploma or um, the high set, which is what they now call the uh, uh, GED, from your state, most colleges are going to accept you into their school. However, these highly selective, selective, and competitive schools are going to look at the classes you took. So Ivy League schools, which is just another word for some of these selective and competitive schools, they want to see students who have consistently challenged themselves throughout high school by taking progressively more advanced courses and earning high grades. Progressively more advanced courses and earning high grades. So to a Ivy League, a child with a 4.0 who never took an honors class or an AP class is less attractive than a child with a 3.7 who took honors classes in ninth grade, transitioned to taking at least one AP class per semester in 10th grade. Right. So they want to see that you took more advanced courses and you did well in them. So what do we mean by honors and AP? So both AP and honors classes can make your college applications more competitive, but AP exams offer an additional bonus the potential to earn college credit. Almost every university in the U.S. takes the AP exam if you make a score of three or above and it becomes college credit at that school. So you can take you know, AP English literature and not have to take freshman composition or first literature class at the university you go to If at the end of your AP class, you took the exam and made a three or above. This is why AP courses can lead to a debt-free degree in two ways. Number one, there's a test you can take, which will allow you to turn that high school class into college credit meaning you will effectively take fewer college classes, thus making your college degree cheaper, right? College degree is cheaper if you take less classes. And number two, it weights your GPA so that you will be eligible for more college scholarships. So here's what this means. At your child's high school, they can get an A plus in something. That means they got 100 in that class. And that means that's a 4.0. That's four points for that class. But if it is an AP class, it's a 4.3. So if you ever meet young people or if your teen is one of those people who has a 4.2 GPA, (laughs) it's generally because it has been weighted by Advanced Placement Classes, AP, Advanced Placement Classes. Thank you for doing that, Ebony. Thank you so much for putting that in the chat. Now, pros and cons. AP classes, they're on campus. They get to have classes with their friend. It weights your GPA. Cons, the college credit depends on the test. So it is possible that your child <laughs> could have a teacher who does not prepare them as well as they could be prepared, or they could just, you know, not do as well on the test as they had hoped. Um, and it is possible that it's not accurate to the college level class, right? So we know that the college rigor is different. There's a lot less handholding by the professor or none at all. So uh, it may not be the most accurate representation of what college rigor is like. Now, the other choice on this slide is something called dual enrollment. This is something that um, parents ask me about really often. Within the last two decades, um, dual enrollment has become almost standard at high school's. Colleges have realized that another income stream is the high school students in their community. And I hate to say cynical things like that to you all, but that's exactly what is happening. (laughs) Now, you can use it to your advantage because your child usually doesn't have to pay for the dual enrollment class. In some communities, they have passed the cost on. Uh, at least in some parts to the child. But in most communities, the dual enrollment courses don't cost anything. Um, now, usually uh, parents will say to me, well, I feel like dual enrollment is better than advanced placement because they definitely get college credit whether they pass a test at the end or not. If they get a C in that college English class, they have college credit, <laughs> right? Whereas in the AP class, you could get an A in the class, and at the end, you could not pass the test, and you had done all that work, and it was not, uh, it does not translate to, to college credit. And here's what I would like for you to think about. The dual enrollment class is from a certain college. So, that course will definitely transfer to that college. However, it is not guaranteed that the course will transfer to other colleges. Those of us who have either transferred schools or gone to a school with other schools credits may know that uh, when you transfer, you sit down in an office and they go over your transcript and they tell you how much they're going to take. (laughs) So here is my advice. If your child is including highly selective, selective and competitive courses in the uh, colleges, rather, in the list of colleges they're, they're applying to, I would recommend AP. If your child is going to colleges in the state that they are uh, living in, and uh, they are not including these, you know, highly selective schools or Ivy Leagues, I would recommend dual enrollment. It's almost guaranteed that the colleges in their state are going to take, you know, those community college classes or that local universities classes that they're taking and that is one more way to make your degree cheaper so let's talk about ways to help your kiddo make the best grades they can number one choose courses at the right difficulty level even though we have spent some time talking about how Honors and AP courses are more attractive. If they make D's in honors and AP courses, it's a wash. But if they can make A's and B's in the regular curriculum, that would be better. So make sure they choose courses at the right difficulty level. Have them start to try honors and AP early in their high school career so you can see if they have the uh, attention span uh, and commitment level. Notice I didn't say smarts or intelligence because as most of the adults on here know, uh, doing well in school has less to do with how smart you are than how committed you are. So see if they have the maturity and commitment to do well in those classes early on because they can recover from a low grade if if they get them early on. Number two, they need to learn the difference between cramming and studying. What is the difference between cramming and studying? Right? So if they're in a Spanish class, We definitely want them to uh, look over their items every afternoon, look over the day's worksheets and assignments, reread over the reading passages. That is studying. Your grades will go up at least one grade level just by looking at the things you did each day at the end of the day. Not waiting until the night before a test to make a bunch of study aids and flashcards and, and, and try to make acronyms the night before the test and little songs to help you remember. Um, no, steady studying and then a push at the end is better than no studying and then trying to cram. We also need to practice bud nipping. Nip it in the bud. We want to nip it. Y'all remember <laughs> y'all remember this character. We want to nip it, Andy. <laughs> we want to nip it in the bud. <laughs> so what does that mean? Now, I'm about to tell you all some things that teachers, I, I taught high school for about a decade. And then I taught college for about a decade. And I'm going to tell you something that high school teachers despise, but it is the parents' prerogative. So let's say that you and your child have gotten on board with each other. You are a team about this college thing. You're going to help them in the most, in the, in the way you can with the most integrity. And then they get in an AP, AP class and you start to notice that the tests are Fs. And not only that, they are also having some sort of personality conflict with the teacher. These things happen, y'all. You know, teachers are human and some humans are not very nice people. <laughs> and we want to give our kids the skills to excel and, uh, you know, be able to strategize to do well, no matter what the teacher's personality is. Um, but sometimes you have to nip it in the bud, which means that you will show up at the high school and you will say, I know we're three weeks into the school but my child is transferring to another class. (laughs) And you know what they're going to say? Yes. They're going to let you do it. And uh, it's a lesson learned and hopefully you and your team can move forward from that with some better strategies for, um, you know, complex situations. But when we are trying to get into college and do it debt free, we cannot let someone just stay in a class failing uh, when some other choices could be made. So consider nipping it in the bud. Teach them to pay attention to the teacher's syllabus, meaning how the grades will be calculated. Teach them to figure that out in the beginning. If that teacher has, you know, uh, class participation as some huge part of the grade, then you tell them each day, raise your hand and ask a question. Even if you make the question up or agree with somebody or compliment another student who made a comment, tell them to just make themselves known because that teacher is really valuing what they're calling class participation, right? So teach them to strategize, you know, as to what, they can do to weight the chances of getting an A in their favor and number five the parent and the team have to team up this this is a team effort y'all if you help hope to you know uh, take that child to a college campus with their nice new matching comforter set and move them into a dorm and hopefully you know debt-free then you're going to have to team up with them and help them deploy tools and strategies to get into college and to do it debt-free. Now, I feel like there was something, this, yes, this is what I wanted to mention to you before I leave you today. And I really enjoy sharing these items with you. For those competitive schools, They want your child to have an English every year, ninth, 10th, and 12th grade. And they have a preference for writing intensive courses. So a world literature course, an AP uh, world literature course and so forth. They want your child to take math every year through calculus. So geometry, algebra, trig, calculus, those are the four classes. Most colleges are fine with three years of math. Competitive colleges want them to take math even in their senior year. We need to have history and social science three years. Right. So your world history, your American history, uh, the civics, the local course and so forth. Three years science, three years. And all the way up to physics for those competitive schools. For most colleges, they are fine with, um, I think it's. Life science, chemistry. And biology. It's either life, earth science, chemistry, and biology. I think those are the sciences that most colleges will take. But competitive colleges want you to go all the way up to physics. Foreign language. Lots of high schools will let you get a high school diploma without taking a foreign language. Most colleges. The ones that are not competitive will admit you without a foreign language. They'll just make make you spend money on it in college. <laughs> um, for instance, I didn't take Spanish because I wanted to be in the choir when I was in high school. But then when I got to my undergraduate, I had to take Spanish. Um, those competitive schools they want you to take at least three years of the same language. But the good thing is, is that if you take three years of the same language in high school, you usually aren't required to take it for majors that aren't language-based in college. All right. The last and final word I want to share with you is that I know some people are feeling behind Uh, And yes, it is probably true. You should have started earlier. The best time to start would have been early. But the second best time to start is now. So let's not stay trapped in the past, uh, you know, beating beating ourselves up about not, um, you know, not applying the scholarships and, getting, you know, uh, that child on board with taking the ACT or the SAT, let's start doing those things now. If your child is a junior, they are in the optimal time to get a lot of tasks finished so that they can then spend the remaining time applying the scholarships and getting the money. I want you to get on a weekly schedule with your child where you complete something about college every week. Visit a college, apply to a scholarship, um, write an essay, do some trolling a college on its website to see what scholarships or deadlines there are for the scholarships there, something every week. Getting recommendation letters from teachers, something every week. And then fall of their senior year, we're gonna hit it hard. Because October is FAFSA, November is pressing submit on college applications, and then apply to those big scholarships and visit schools and maintain the intensity. Are you a busy parent of a college-bound teen and you're worried about how you're going to afford college? Well, look no further. You can go to howtofindscholarships.info and join my free email list. There you'll get tips, tools, and strategies delivered to your inbox each week that will help you get your kid into college and debt-free. That's howtofindscholarships.info.